Worship leaders, worship musicians, and those who love to worship. What is discernment? We hear that word and it sounds kind of intimidating and theological. But what is it? How do we grow in discernment? And what can keep us from being discerning? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today we're going to be talking about discernment, but before we do, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free guide, 25 Chart-Topping Arrangement Tricks. If you have a song that you've been working on with your worship team that's alright, but you wish that it could be more engaging, download this chart. It gives you 25 great ideas for ways that you can keep people's interest during a song, It gives you a couple sentences about why that trick works, and then it gives you a song from the radio so that you can hear the trick in action. Again, go to blueprintsounds.com or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. All right, let's get to today's topic, discernment. So like I said at the beginning, discernment can sometimes be an intimidating word. You know, it sounds sort of like a superpower, like being able to see through walls or something, but it's not. So what we're going to do is we're going to go look at Solomon, who is a great example of a person who walked in discernment, and how God gave Solomon that discernment. So let's go to 1 Kings. So it's a bit of a long scripture, but we're going to need all this context to understand what discernment is. We're in 1 Kings 3, verse 2. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then David awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. So in the past when I've read this scripture, I've sort of glossed over some of the important details And I, like a lot of people, give Solomon a lot of credit and we say, wow, wasn't Solomon so wise to ask God for wisdom rather than long life? And of course, you can understand why, because God commends Solomon for doing that exact thing. But my wife 
mentioned to me a while ago. She said, well, you know that Solomon got that in a dream, right? He asked God in a dream, not while he was fully awake. And I thought back and you're like, she's totally right. What's, what's all that about? I mean, I've flown in my dreams. You, I can swim underwater and never come up for air in my dreams. How, does, how is Solomon getting all of this credit for being so wise And why does God give Solomon credit for asking for such a wise thing when it was in a dream? So what's going on there? Well, I believe there's two options. Option number one, God comes to Solomon in a dream when his brain is asleep, but his spirit and his heart are still awake. And God asks him that question, ask me for whatever you like. And it reveals the purity of Solomon's heart, because you notice it says that that Solomon loved the Lord. Let's leave aside for a second that Solomon didn't necessarily finish well. So that's the one option is that that Solomon's heart and his spirit were awake and he had that wonderful um, request to ask for wisdom. That's option one. Option two is that God had already determined to give Solomon wisdom right before he came to him at all. So he comes to him in a dream and he puts the idea into Solomon. He, he, you know, puts the words in his mouth and says, you know, Solomon asked for wisdom. Solomon asks for God to do the thing that God already wanted to do. And, but, but for some reason, God still gives Solomon credit. He still commends him for it. So is it option one? Was it Solomon's idea? Or option two, was it God's idea all along? Which one is it? Well, I believe that the answer is both. Solomon and God shared the idea. To explain that, I need to talk about the mutual mind. So, scientists have discovered that there are these things in your brain called mirror neurons that allow you and another person to enter into what's called a mutual mind state. So, if you have somebody, think of like your brother or your sister, somebody you're really close with, or your spouse, somebody that you spend a lot of time with, right? You, you, you mirror each other's facial expressions and your emotions and your energy levels. Well, that actually builds up this flow of information between you to where, that, to where two people can actually share the same thought. And we've experienced that before. My brother and I have come out of two separate rooms singing the same song and the same part of the same song in the same key at the same time. Right? If you have somebody you're close with, maybe it's like that where you know people say, oh, don't let them be on the same team during that board game because that something's going on over there. They don't have to talk to understand what is in each other's mind. That's a mutual mind state. In fact, when a mom is playing peekaboo with her kid, right, there is actually a flow of information from left eye to left eye. And when a child is very young, their brain is actually being wired by looking at the life giver, by looking at their mom or dad. We literally learn how to be human by watching our parents and those who give us life, and their information flows from their eye to our eye and teaches us how to be. So it's absolutely possible that we can share thoughts with other people. Well, who designed that mechanism? God, obviously. So if it works from person to person, obviously it can work from us to the designer. Now, I know what some people might think. You might think, wait, 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 what about that scripture that says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways? Well, let's go read that passage. 
So here we are in Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The important thing to know about that scripture is that God is speaking to the wicked. He's asking the wicked to forsake their way and turn to him. So he's telling the wicked that his thoughts are not their thoughts. And he never says in that scripture that he wouldn't share his thoughts with those that he loves. In fact, he explicitly says that he does in 1 Corinthians. So here we are in 1 Corinthians 2. I'm going to read verse 14 and a little bit more. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So that passage tells us two things. First, it tells us that God absolutely shares his thoughts with the people he loves, And he explains what the mechanism is. It's the Spirit. So when we receive Christ and we receive the Holy Spirit into us, that's how God shares his mind with us. It's through his Spirit connecting to our Spirit allows him to share his thoughts with us. So here's how I would define discernment. The Old Testament defines that word discern that Solomon uses as to know between. Well, obviously by ourselves, we cannot know between. So, how do we know between a good and an evil thing? We have a mutual mind with Christ. And how do we have that mutual mind with Christ? By the Spirit that He gave us. To condense all of that into one phrase, I would define it this way. Discernment is sharing thoughts with God. Before we talk about how to grow in discernment, what are some things that keep us from discernment? Well, the first one is shame. Satan has convinced a lot of people, a lot of Christians, that they are wicked and that God's ways are not their ways and there's no way that they could ever get there. And they forget about Corinthians where Paul says that we have the mind of Christ. So that's the first one. If you are ashamed of yourself and so caught up in your own wickedness that you're living on this side of the cross and you don't realize what Christ died for, you'd never take advantage. You'd never even think that you could share a thought with God. The second one is neglect. There are a lot of married couples who are legally bound to one another, and yet because their relational circuits aren't firing, because they don't have those mirror neurons, because they just don't exercise the option, they're not close, it's such a painful thing, but they never get to share that mutual mind state. They never get to share thoughts with their spouse. Even though legally they have the right to, they never exercise the option. A natural mutual mind state between two people is built on loving attachment, and it's the same way with God. Because you notice in that passage in 1 Kings, the first thing that comes up is that Solomon loved the Lord. And then when God comes to him in the dream and asks him, what do you want? He begins with gratitude. He begins Oh, God, you have been so good to my father. You've been so good to me. There's this humility there. There's this gratitude for everything the Lord has given him. Aha, that shows that Solomon's relational circuits are firing and that he and the Lord are entering into that mutual mind state. And in that moment, 
he shares a thought with the Lord. What if I asked for wisdom? That leads us to the question, how do you grow in discernment? The first step is gratitude. There was a time in my life where I had no gratitude towards God. My circumstances were not what I had hoped they would be. I didn't feel like I was making any progress in life, and it was very difficult for me to see a way forward. It was very difficult for me to see God in my life. Well, my circumstances didn't change, but what did change about me is that I took someone's advice and started a gratitude journal. So every night before I went to bed, I would resolve that I was going to write down some way that God had intervened in my life for the good. It could be, well, traffic wasn't as bad as it was normally, or that person that I don't get along with at work wasn't as bad as they usually were. I'm pretty sure I made stuff up, right? I'm pretty sure there were some things that could have gone either way that I gave God credit for that may have been me. I didn't care. I was determined to be grateful, even if it was a discipline that I, you know, didn't feel good all the time. But then gradually, and then all at once, I found myself being grateful. And guess what? That turned on my relational circuits, and I started to know, and I started to realize what God had already given me. I started to be grateful for what I had already received and not holding it against Him that I hadn't received the thing that I wanted. That allowed me to share thoughts with God and to grow in discernment. Gratitude was the first step. Just as it was for Solomon, we don't get to discernment without gratitude. So let me give you a very simple example of discernment in real life. I used to work at a college, and I would bring my lunch every day, and I had needed to microwave it somewhere. Well, there were you know several buildings, and there was one building that was a straight shot, easy walk, right to the spot where I needed to go. And there was another one that was a little farther away. And so one day, I'm walking with my lunchbox long over my back, and for some reason, I take this left turn, and I take the long way. No good reason why I should have done that. But on the way, I run into this student, and this student has a very sad look on their face. And so I strike up a conversation, hey, how's it going? What's, what's the deal? And I find out that this person is in a class that doesn't really suit them, and they're not happy about it. But they're a freshman, and they don't really know how to advocate for themselves. They don't know the proper channels. And so I say, let's take care of this right now. So I go and take this person to an administrative assistant. They get them switched up, get them in the right class. Lo and behold, I didn't realize it, but that was the deadline that day. If I had walked straight, the deadline would have passed, and that never would have happened. Well, because of that, that sparked a relationship between me and this student that allowed me to counsel them throughout their time in college. All of that happened because I took a left turn and took a longer walk to a microwave that was farther away on campus. That's discernment. It's really simple. It was sharing thoughts with God. God had an idea. Hey, how about we set this person up for success for the next four years? How could I have known that would have happened? No way. But God shared the idea with me because he wanted to involve me in this plan to bless another person. So let's recap. What is discernment? Discernment is when we share thoughts with God. What keeps us from walking in discernment? Well, one is shame, when you think you don't even deserve to do that. And number two is neglect, 
when you have no relationship with God, when those relational circuits aren't firing and you can't enter into that mutual mind state with Him. But how do we grow in discernment? The first step is gratitude, because that opens us up to realize what we've received from the Lord and be thankful, and that turns on our relational circuits so that God can share even more with us. Hey, I hope that episode helps you. And again, if you're looking for help with your arrangements, go to www.blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. Until next time, God bless and goodbye.